Hello? Hello. Hello. Hi. You should learn uh... to dodge the fucking video camera now. <sighs> Motherfuckers. Oh, yeah. Fast as fuck. I unplugged mine before I uh, opened the Zoom meeting. And also, I managed to get this whole thing going today without once screaming, fuck you, at any inanimate objects. <gasps> what? Yeah, I know. I am the big winner today. I am. I would say shit from now on. You're our our IT guy. (laughs) (laughs) So, so if you have any IT questions, my first is going to be: Have you tried angrily clicking it over and over and over and over? Because that's what I do. That uh, also what I do because well, this is what happens to me. The first time I do it, I was like, well, maybe I missed the button, right? Like, yeah, maybe I thought I clicked on it, but I didn't. So I do it again. I was like, uh, maybe that's not right. Maybe I didn't press press it. Like maybe I pressed too fast. So then I press it again, and then I do start to get pissed. I'm like, tap 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 tap, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> There's always turn it off and turn it back on, or walk away for a minute. True. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, those IT tips will pretty much. I mean, those are free. Those are free to you. Um, turn it on and off. Not to be a bit be a bitch about the whole thing, but it it often works. That's true. You know what it, I'm saying? It, it works it almost works. any almost any electronic thing. It seems to actually do. It does actually seem to work. It does. And sometimes if you've tried everything but turning it on and off, that will set you the fuck off right there. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, I've tried everything. They're like, did you shut it on and off? It's like, I will burn this motherfucker to the ground. <laughs> Which is why I don't understand how they think we're going to have all this automated stuff so soon, like automated cars and shit. Like like that fucking thing you know that thing's not gonna fuck up in the middle of traffic and just stop or just like turn turn right three feet past where it was supposed to and take out the mcdonald's sign well at a detroit casino they have those automatic kiosks no cashiers and i'm like you're fucking overestimating one my willingness to use this computer and not talk to a person and have them push the buttons for me you're overestimating yourself and two um you're overestimating the average user yeah, well, I'm all about the U scan at the U scan at uh, the grocery store, though. Oh, I motherfucking refuse. I looked at the cashier like, if you expect me to scan my groceries, I expect you to give me money off because now I'm an employee here. Oh well, as <laughs> yeah. an as an introvert, it's worth it. It's worth not talking to, or having very little interaction with another human being to me. Oh no, inevitably that thing fucks up, and I got to call her over, and I got to sit there and wait, which which is really what gets me going. And then I'm like, no. No, no. So you have old person problems. I do. I actually, there's a grocery store here that opens, the Kroger opens at like six, but a cashier doesn't come in till eight and I don't finish shopping till eight o'clock. Wait, so the store is open, but it's you scan only? Uh-huh. What happens Which, if you're buying alcohol? Something, you can't buy a lot open until like seven, right? And then there's always that cashier that's standing there. Oh, Okay. So there's yeah. technically all. Well, there's I have not cashier. sold alcohol since the '90s, but if I remember correctly, like you can't sell it till like noon on Sunday. Yeah, well, what about the rest of the week? I don't remember all the weeks. It's been since the '90s, bro. <laughs> like I'm, okay. Yeah. Okay. I'll ask you about what happened at the job you worked in the '90s, and we'll see what's up. <laughs> ask me a question about it. I'll answer. You you drove a truck, didn't you? No, I didn't. I worked in a okay. factory. Okay. Anyway, don't start this shit with me. (laughs) All right. right. You want to start our show? 
Let's start. Okay. Intro. This is the golden age of media. I'm Ben. And I'm Ellie. As two kids born in the mid-70s, we entered the 80s as little kids and we left as teenagers. And it's during this time that we grew to love TV and movies, as well as books and music. And we'll share some of our favorites with you every episode. That was mostly okay. I liked it. All right, on. Anyway, so the first thing, we're going to hit the, we're going to hit 1984 pretty hard today. Okay. Two bits of 1984. Do you want me to give away your bit of 1984 yet? Or do you want to just say this? So I watched the movie Paris, Texas, which is from 1984. Allie has some hit songs of 1984. And And I was going to drop a random fact since you dropped the 1984s that the first commercial music CD was pressed in 1984 in the United States and it's Bruce Springsteen's Born in the USA. Well, no shit. I wasn't sure where to put that, but you put all the 1984s together. I'm like, all right, I'm dropping this bitch. Well, we're introing. We're, we're getting yeah. going. We're getting the show started. Go ahead. That was it. That was how we got the show started. That's all I got, too. Oh, okay. <laughs> and then, then you also, we also have the uh, Gummy Bears cartoon, which uh, I watched the I watched the uh, theme song to it on YouTube, and I forgot that I did watch that cartoon. I couldn't remember it at first because I was thinking of the Gummy Bears candy, which uh-huh. I was, you know, so I, I I was thinking it was some weird foreign cartoon. No, the, this is actually based off the Gummy Bear candy. Like, I'll give away my intro. I'm not scared. So yeah. Michael Eisner was the CEO of Disney. Yeah. And his son said, hey, Dad, can I have some Gummy Bears? And his brain was like, here's a cartoon we could do and some merch and shit, and here's a good idea. And that's how the Gummy Bears cartoon was born. Yeah. All right. So we'll get to that later. But right now I'm going to tell you about the movie Paris, Texas. Which I did not end up watching. So I would love for you to tell me. You should watch it. It's a good movie. I, I, well, I have till Monday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're talking about it right now, though. So you don't really. Well, I can always watch it afterwards. I'm not scared of that. Okay. I, it's, I'm not challenging you. <laughs> it's not. A... Yeah, no. Well, a lot of people are like, oh, I don't mean to ruin it for you. I'm like, no, I'll still watch it. It's not ruined. Yeah. There's nothing going on for me. I'll, I'll still watch it. Fuck it. I don't care. Yeah, that doesn't really ruin it for me most of the time because, yeah. you know, it, it sometimes it it uh it actually makes a movie better for me because I'll know like, um, you know, like a hook or you know, you pay more attention and maybe you, I don't know, some I get more out of it sometimes. Well, me too, and especially if it's a movie that would produce anxiety in me, and you're like, oh, get, here's what happens. I actually feel better watching it, and I'm more likely to pay attention. Yeah. I, I am to like look away because I feel like my heart's going to explode if I don't stop watching. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so 1984's Paris, Texas. It's a movie directed by Wim Wenders. He's a German director starring Harry Dean Stanton, Dean Stockwell, Naka- Natasha Kinski, and Hunter Carson. Okay. The screenplay was written by L.M. Kit Carson, who is Hunter Carson's father. And playwright Sam Shepard. Well, the musical score was composed by Ry Cooter. The, Ry Cooter? R-Y-C-O-O-D-E-R. Cooter is his last name? Or their uh, last name? Uh, it's a guy. It's a single person. Yeah, it's his last okay. name. Uh, the, interesting. <laughs> well, you know. Honestly, I would love to have the last name Cooter. <laughs> well, it's it's with a D, not with a C. So it's not what you're thinking. Doesn't matter when you say it out loud. Yeah. 
<laughs> like if you spell cock with a Q. <laughs> exactly. With a KW or something like that. So the film was a co-production between companies in France and West Germany, when there was two Germanys back then, and was shot in the United States by Robbie Mueller. Oh. The plot focuses on a vagabond named Travis, Harrieting Stanton, who, after mysteriously wandering out to the desert in a dissociative fugue, which is a a dissociative fugue is like after a trauma or what? I'm sorry. Isn't that like when you're in a fugue state is you're like, you don't really aren't really attached to reality or some shit. Right. It's something that often happens after trauma or, you know, he, he he has like basically fucks you. So up you're like, I need to check out for a minute. Thank you. Right. (laughs) Exactly. So I mean, I'll be here, but not here. Yeah. He's there, but not there and wandering around in the desert. Yeah. So after wandering out in the desert, he attempts to reunite with his brother, Dean Stockwell, and his seven-year-old son, Carson. After connecting with his son, Travis and the boy end up embarking on a voyage through the American Southwest to track down Travis's long-missing wife. So the cat... So his brother... Who was the kid raised by? So I'll tell you. Okay, sorry. So, okay, here's the main cast. Harry Harry Dean Stanton's our main character, Travis. He's the one who kind of snaps and wanders off. From Aliens. He's from he's from a lot Alien. of things. He yeah. he like he has a he has a shitload of credits. Oh, it's extensive. The one yeah. that I mostly recognized him from because I did look at the pictures of the staff. I should say staff. I meant um the cast. cast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, was Harry Dean Stanton? I was like, ooh, Alien. Yeah, Harry Harry Dean Stanton's. He's probably. I mean, I don't want to say I have a favorite actor, but if if Harry Dean Stanton's in something, I'll at least give it a chance. I get it. Uh, He's he's a good actor. He's uh yeah. he's something else. And he's like he's not handsome and it's it, it like uh it always adds to it for me that he's like this weird kind of ugly guy from Kentucky who Oh, see, I always thought he star. always makes a good dad too. Like the good maybe not he doesn't have the best outcomes, but he has the best intentions kind of dad. That's who he reminds me like, of. Like well, cuz like in Pretty in Pink, he's like the alcoholic burnout dad. True. Where he has good intentions, maybe not great outcomes. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe so, that's where I get that shit from. <laughs> maybe. So Harry Dean Stanton, he's Travis. Nat- Natasha Kinski. Who, She's hot. Yeah. In this movie, she plays Jane, and who is the younger woman that Travis had an intense relationship with. Okay. And then Hunter Carson. <laughs> oh, let's see. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Do I need to call nine one one? Water coming out the wrong way. Send help. <laughs> <laughs> so I was gonna quietly take a drink of water. Yeah, that worked out. You think it worked? <laughs> what did it? <laughs> For fuck's sake. (laughs) Okay, I'm ready now. (laughs) You try and drink it through your nose? No, I literally went to both say something to you and tilt the glass back at the same time. And apparently the esophagus can only handle water or air at at one time. Yeah. Yes. One day, one day you'll master this drinking thing. What the fuck was I? Okay. Maybe that's how I'm 50. Yeah. Hunter Carson, he's uh plays Hunter, 
another one of those instances where uh, a a child actor plays a character with the same first name. I think it just helps him. Yeah. So yeah. Hunter Hunter plays Hunter. He's in the movie. He's the son of Travis and Jane. And uh, Dean Stockwell plays Walt, the hardworking, grounded brother of Travis, who raises Hunter in Travis's absence. And Aurora Clemence, or I don't know how to say it, she's French, plays uh-huh. Anne, and she's Walt's wife, and she's a surrogate mother to Hunter. Okay. So, Travis Henderson. Okay. So Travis we'll get, is the main bro. Yeah, we'll get to the movie here. Travis Henderson walks alone through the West Texas desert in a fugue state before stumbling into a bar and losing consciousness. A German doctor examines him and determines he is mute, but discovers he possesses a telephone number and calls it. The call is answered by Walt Henderson, Travis's brother from Los Angeles. Walt has not seen or had contact with Travis for four years and agrees agrees to travel to Terlingua, Texas, to retrieve him. His French wife, Anne, is concerned about the matter as they have adopted Travis's son, Hunter. With Hunter's biological mother, Jane, also missing, Walt reaches to Terlingua, I'm just going to say Texas, and finds finds Travis wandering from from the clinic where he was found. The two brothers begin driving back to Los Angeles with Walt becoming increasingly frustrated with Travis's muteness. Finally, so when you're watching the movie... Yeah. Travis doesn't say a word, Harry Dean Stanton. He doesn't say a word until 26 minutes into the movie. No shit. Does he like even react in any way or just nothing? Like, like kinda. Okay. Like he kind of gives blank stares and shit. Okay. So finally, 26 minutes in the movie, he just says Paris. He says, can we go there? And Walt's, Walt assumes he means France. Uh-huh. And uh, further down the road, Walt shows a photo. Fo- Travis shows Walt a photograph of an empty lot in Paris, Texas, which he had, which he had purchased, believing he was conceived in that town. And uh, for it's a, any particular, does he particular reason he thinks they did the boom boom in Paris, Texas? Yeah, because he claims that his mother had told him that the first time her her I don't know why I don't know why your mom would tell you this that yeah. the first that the first time her and his father m- made love. Mm-hmm. was in Paris, Texas. Okay. And that uh his dad always liked to tell him tell the joke to people when he would meet them that his wife was the girl he met in Paris. And then wait a second and then say Texas. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. 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 <laughs> so they're going to drive back to so at first, you know, Walt takes Travis to the airport and they're going to fly back to Los Angeles from Texas. And, uh, you know, Travis is like, I don't want to leave the ground. And, uh, he gets him on the plane for a second. And the pl- they, they cut to a scene where the plane stopped on the runway and they have to let them off. And then they're, uh, Walt's all exasperated and they, uh, go to the rental car lot and Travis has to have the exact same car that they had before. So they get the same car. Anyway, they drive back to Los Angeles and Travis is reunited with Ann and Hunter. And uh, Hunter, he's a he, Hunter is seven. So when Travis left, he was only three. He has yeah. very, he has very little memory of his father and is wary of Travis until the family watches home movies from the days when they're all together. Okay. So he starts to warm up to his dad. 
Right. Because okay. at first, you know. Yeah, he's like stranger danger. Yeah, I mean, he he understands the concept that this is a person that's related to him by blood, but you know, he's just he's this weird guy because Hunter is seven years old at the time, and for four of those seven years, most of his life, then Travis has been MIA. Okay. So Hunter realizes that Travis still loves Jane. As Hunter and Travis become reacquaint, reacquainted, and reveals to Travis that Jane has had contact with her makes monthly deposits into a bank account for Hunter and has traced the deposits to a bank in Houston. Travis realizes that he can possibly see Jane if, if he is at the Houston bank on the day of the next deposit, which is only a few days away. See, this is kind of type of shit you had to go through in the eighties to find yourself, you know, a person you couldn't just quick Google search those motherfuckers. Yeah. You couldn't, uh, Look at their Facebook or Instagram or see where they right. post it, see where they uh, tag themselves eating lunch or something stupid. Right. So he acquires a cheap vehicle and borrows money from Walt. When he tells Hunter he's leaving, Hunter wishes to go with him, though he does not have Walt or Ann's permission. So they just leave. Uh, I was say, do they just kind of do like a little kidnappy poo? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, they just go and they call from the road and hey, we're going to Texas, and Walt and Ann are obviously displeased, but yeah, what, what are they going to do? Hunter, Travis is technically Hunter's father, so. True, uh, but if they adopted him, they might have, because well, he must have been technically abandoned. Yeah, they don't really get into it, all the legalities in the movie. They just kind of let it go that Hunter's going with Travis to Houston. But you're right. In real life, there'd be it wouldn't be that okay. True. So but this is a movie, and it's a movie in the '80s, in which we had less info available to us. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe back, maybe they never officially adopted him. He just lived with them because they say in the movie that one day Hunter just shows up on their doorstep, and he doesn't know where his parents are. That someone just drove him there to Walt and Ann's house. Dang. So I, it's not, it's not uh spelled out but it's pretty much implied that ann dropped hunter off at walt's house not ann uh fucking the hell's her name uh jane jane okay jane drops hunter off because she she doesn't feel like she can take care of him and she's kind of after everything with travis she's kind of wrecked too she's just not in a good place mentally so, Walt and Nan are stable people, and they drop Hunter off with, to live with them Aww. without asking. Just, here he is. Hmm. I know. Like, did you want a baby? Well, whether or not, here you go. <laughs> baby! Yeah, well, Ann and Walt don't have any kids, so I don't know. They don't. Okay. So maybe I don't know they, if they. Maybe they did see this as a nice thing, right? Yeah, maybe they can't have kids, or they don't get into it in the okay. in the movie, but. So Travis and Hunter, they drive to Houston and uh, there's just scenes where, you know, Hunter recounts the Big Bang and the origins of the earth while Hunter's right. Like the car they're driving to Houston's a Ford Ranchero, which is like the Ford version of an El Camino. Okay. And uh, like Hunter's sitting in the back of the truck and he's talking to Travis through the window with their, they're talking on walkie talkies and Jesus. well, it's different times. 
I know. I remember. <laughs> so after a couple hours there, well, no, not after a couple hours. A couple yeah. hours after arriving at the Houston bank, Hunter identifies his mother in a car in a little red Chevy Chevette making oh. a drive-in deposit. So they, their plan worked. They saw her. He calls for Travis via walkie-talkie, and they follow her to a peep show club where she works. But you don't see her naked. Just, all right, all right. just in case you're wondering, it's a it's a classy movie. No boobies. Yeah. Okay. No. There's like one. <laughs> if we're gonna be gro- if we're gonna be pervy, there's only like one sort of half lit boob of Anne's earlier in the movie, but half lit. Okay. <laughs> and it's weird. It's weird. Like, why is she even like? So there's this part like uh, Travis is an insomniac. Okay. So a lot of times he just doesn't sleep. So there's a part earlier in the movie where he's like up all night and they at their house in California, like washing dishes and shit. And he's singing and Anne is like in bed naked and she's looking out the door. Like he doesn't see her or anything. Like they don't see each other. She's just kind of listening to him sing. Yeah. But it's weird that like that little bit of nudity is sort of weird. It's not. Yeah. Like why? 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 Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess some people sleep naked, but. I don't know if, did you have to show her booby while she yeah. listens? Yeah. I wouldn't sleep naked if I had house guests. Uh, <clears throat> agreed. It's kind of weird. What if they're like, hey, hate to bother you. Oh, you're naked. <laughs> no, hey, hate to bother you. Kitchen's on fire. <laughs> right. Or, you know, hey, this toilet won't stop running. Is there a trick to it? And I'm just like, oh, I'm just laying here uncovered. Well, let me put my dick away real quick and I'll come out and help you. <laughs> I'm laying. I'm laying here uncovered and nude. <laughs> <laughs> right? not to make this awkward <laughs> yeah, no shit. so anyway they go to the peep show hunter's waiting outside in the car travis goes in finding the and like in this peep show she works at each room has a theme and then each room has a one-way mirror so the girl can't see you like you just watch her and Ugh. it's implied that they take their clothes off and you know yeah and that dudes are jerking off all over those little rooms. Yeah. Yeah. As yeah. it as it was back in the eighties. Yeah. Even in the nineties. <laughs> yeah, true. But uh so you so in this these little one way rooms, you sit in there and you talk to the stripper with like a it's a telephone and uh the stripper has a little speaker box on her side and with a microphone on it where she can talk back to you, but so she, like I said, she can't see you. You can just see her. So he sees her. He's, and then he gets hurt. Uh, like when they go in the rooms, they just say, Hey, send someone in. So the first one they, that gets sent into his room is this like naughty nurse type. And then the second one is Jane. So he confirms it's her, that it is her, you know, not just some other young blonde girl. Okay. So he confirms For it's sure, her. Jane. Yeah. yeah. Like I know, I know that body anywhere right yeah and like you know they're they're close to each other physically you know there's only like the two feet of wall or whatever it's not you like just super far away so if if you if you knew her well enough to be married to her and have a baby with her you'd probably you might be able to recognize her later yeah from like years later yeah from like three feet away yeah maybe so he knows it's her and obviously she doesn't know it's him yet and he leaves the first time so the next day, Travis leaves Hunter at the Meridian Hotel in downtown Houston with a message that he feels obliged to reunite mother and son as he feels responsible for separating them in the first place. Like, he he has this whole, 
he makes this speech into a tape recorder and then leaves it for Hunter. And then he leaves Hunter alone in this hotel room while he goes to uh, reunite with Jane. So Hunter's playing back this message and the gist of the message is that he wants Hunter and Jane to be reunited, but he doesn't, he can't stay. What? No, it's, it's something. Travis returns. He leaves the kid like alone, alone in the hotel room? Alone, alone in the hotel room. Well, fart, man. We know who's not the dad of the year this year. Or <laughs> 1984's year. Well, he wasn't the dad of the year in 84, 83, 82, 81. <laughs> oh, yeah, when he abandoned his son in 1980 that time. Yeah. He... <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right. <laughs> he's, he's pretty much he's pretty much doing what, what he does. But uh, at least he gives, at least he tells Hunter why this time. At least why he's being abandoned. Yeah. Funny but, enough, Gummy Bears also has a child being abandoned about that, <laughs> that but he's a little bit older. <laughs> but, uh, is, well, is the Gummy Bear abandoned? Because the Gummy Bear who, the Gummy Bear who's abandoned is like one of the weird flavors. Like it's supposed to be butterscotch, but it kind of tastes like earwax. And then his mom was like cherry. And so they ate the cherry one and. But no, he's up. actually a human that's abandoned and he's treated like trash throughout the gummy bear series because he's an orphan and they basically the people are like oh he's trash that kid and right. he does all this great stuff but because he's with the gummy bears and he swears to never um tell who the gummy bears are he can never say it was him doing this great stuff so people just think he's always trash he literally gets abandoned almost twice in the same you know no twice in the same episode first episode well <laughs> That's what he gets for being an orphan. You know what I'm saying? Because orphans, we've heard, are what? Not lovable. No, just exactly. <laughs> so, where was yeah. I at? I'm sorry. Okay, so Travis goes back to the peep show, seeing Jane again. And with her seem, you know, she doesn't know, I would, like, like we've discussed, that she doesn't know who's on the other side of the glass. Yeah. So, she comes into the room, and he starts telling her a story. That you know, obviously, she thinks that I don't know. He's some creep. Some he's, random guy. He's some creep in there to have a jack, and he's just telling her some story. But he describes a man and a younger girl who meet. And I, uh, if you don't know, Harrodine Stanton's quite a bit older than Nikash, Natasha Kinski, like thirty years older. And oh. then, in in this, you know, it's in the movie. In real life, they're like thirty years difference. And in the movie, the characters are, you know, he's an older man who, you know, it's Has not like the, the young woman. Right. It's not one of those things where, you know, they're like way fucking different in age. They're way off in age and you're supposed to pretend they're the same. You know what I mean? Okay. Like kind of off topic. There was a show with, uh, what's that guy's name? Jason Momoa or something. Momoa, yeah. And uh, his wife, um, Lisa Bonet. Okay. And uh in that show they were acting like he was older than her. And I'm like I'm like Ooh. look. I'm like Ooh. look. I'm like look. She's she's good looking. Yeah. I'm not giving her shit for her age, but mm -hmm. she does she does not fucking pass for being younger than him. Nuh uh. Uh, uh. No, not his mom. I wouldn't even say I wouldn't even say good for her age. She's just a good-looking woman, but She's a pretty no. woman. She looks young. She, but, you wouldn't think that she is her age if you ever, you know, you wouldn't be like, oh, that's a woman in her 50s. Right. But, but, but you wouldn't see them together and go, oh, 
That must be his kid. Yeah, no fucking way. Nope. <laughs> you just know she's older. Anyway. Yes, too much. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, in in the movie and in real life, Harry Dean Stanton, aka Travis, is is significantly older than uh, Jane Natasha Kinski. Yeah. So anyway, he he's telling her the story of a man and a younger woman who meet and they marry and they have a child they have a you know he's describing their whole relationship and how intense it was and how that at points in time he couldn't just he just couldn't bear to be without her but how you know it was an unhealthy attraction it was an unhealthy obsession and uh so when (laughs) right when when the child is born she has postpartum depression and dreams of escaping the family. And the husband descends into alcoholism, becomes abusive, imprisoning her in the trailer they live in. And, you know, obviously after a while, she's like, oh, this this, this is, is my... This is us, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, like, this is my story. Yeah. So after a failed attempt to estate, escape, the man ties the woman to a this tra- stove in the trailer and goes to bed, dreaming of withdrawing into an unknown place without language or streets. While his wife and child scream from the kitchen, he wakes up to find the trailer on fire and his family gone, and in, and in despair runs for five days until leaving civilization entirely. And you know, so Jane realizes she's speaking with Travis. Yeah. You know, tears are running down her face, and she just says Travis at the window. And so that's when he tells her that Hunter is in Houston, and he tells her, you know, he's in this hotel at the meridian hotel and this is the room number and he's there right now and uh what yeah i'm not down with it so the son that your son that you're not ready to see right now because we haven't had any prelim i'm just going into this ungreased yeah yeah you're you're a stripper and you know this uh this client you can't see starts describing describing uh to a t your life story and says oh by the way the son you abandons in a hotel room by himself downtown and he's like seven years old and i, I ripped him away from the only parents he's ever known yeah um, yeah okay so yeah obviously she's tears running down her face and it's a it's a pretty moving part See? yeah the when he when he tells the life story he has his back to her and it's and she's holding the little speaker box like the speaker box is talking to her. Uh-huh. It's, it's a, oh, it's it had feels. Oh, it had feels, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. So then, Jen, you know, Jane realizes it's Travis. And then uh, he tells her where Hunter's at. And then the next scene is it's nighttime. And Travis is standing in a parking structure staring up at the hotel room window where Hunter is by himself. Then he watches as Jane walks into the room, and then Jane and Hunter don't say anything to each other. They just hug, and it's uh, I'm not gonna lie, I kind of got a little misty. I get it, but I just don't see years of trauma suddenly erasing. No, it's. But go ahead. uh, I see. I get it. I understand. I honestly, one time, started crying about a movie after being like 15 minutes in. Yeah. And my boyfriend at the time was like, "You've only watched like 15 minutes." I was like, "I guess that's all I need." <laughs> well, if, if there's already a lot under the surface, maybe you just need a little something to break the dam open. Oh, fucking Nemo cried, had me crying in the first minutes. You know, uh, I don't think I ever saw that. You, I don't have kids, Nemo? so yeah. 
you don't need kids to watch Finding Nemo. I watched that with my daughter was too young to take to the theater. I saw that with my friends. It was a dollar. Um, they there's a theater that used to be on Michigan Ave in Wayne, and uh, yeah. if you went on Thursdays, I think it was a dollar movie, and that's how I saw Finding Nemo because I was broke as shit. It was one of those like, all right, I'll spend a dollar, so I guess I'll eat a few less ramen packets. We'll see if I can survive. <laughs> one of those. Well, you know, if you break an egg into your ramen, it goes pretty far and it's pretty filling. True. True. Anyway. Two meals. Yeah. So yeah, Jane and Hunter are reunited. Despite yeah. the fact that uh, you have to, you have to kind of suspend disbelief, I guess, and you have to overlook the fact that she'd already let him go once because she couldn't take care of him, and that he has a family that is established and loving to him, right? And is supportive and stable. And there's there's plenty of feels like when they first leave on the road trip to find Jane, yeah, they show Anne, who is uh, Walt's wife, kind of like his surrogate mother. Yeah. She's just see, she's laying in Hunter's room. Just kind of like, you know, like where he would be, like yeah. sitting on his bed, and it's it's a pretty touching. See, moment. that would be to me the touching part. Like she's getting really fucked over by this whole situation here, right? Because she loves Hunter. Hunter's her son. She loves him. She took care of him, and then the two fucked up parents show up and are like, "Well, I'm gonna try this again." Yeah. <laughs> Shit. That's a that's a lot to deal with, I guess. You know, your your brother-in-law and his. 18 year old wife your 40 something year old brother-in-law and his 18 year old wife had a baby and then he fucking snaps and and then they disappear and you're taking care of the baby and then he comes back four years later after he's wandering in the steals desert steals your fucking kid yeah oh I'd be, I'd so, i would show up after those people forever i would come at them until i got my kid back I'm like no I, I understand uh that you were the bio parents but you gave them up to me and i'm here now <laughs> yep well, maybe if there was a sequel, there'd be a court case and everything, you know. Well, I bet you Kevin from Gummy Bears wished that somebody would want to claim him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You like that? Yeah. He's like, he's like, no one wants me at all. And this kid has two sets of parents. Exactly. And here I am laying in a field abandoned. Yeah. <laughs> so a lot. Uh, I liked a lot of the visuals of this movie. Um, okay. It's kind of. What do you want to say? Like uh, renowned for its photography, okay. cinematography. So it's pretty. It's a lot of the shots of, you know, like the desert and small town Texas are really nice. Okay. Um, and after watching so many B movies in my life, I was really engaged with a lot of the dialogue because <laughs> it makes me, you know, actually appreciate the work of a truly talented writer. <laughs> the screenplay was amazing, so that yeah. was weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It didn't really rely on nudity at all. <laughs> so, I know, it was crazy. He was like, I almost saw a boob, and that was really weird at the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and there, like, there's a lot of good bits. Like, there's a part where it's Hunter, you know, Hunter's, uh, Travis is telling Hunter about his dad, Travis Sr., who would be Hunter's grandfather. And, uh, and then Hunter's telling Travis that the whole time, Travis was gone. He could feel that Travis was still alive. Uh-huh. I was uh-huh. like, oh, that's kind of deep. That is and, deep. And then the whole scene where Travis recounts to Jane through the mirror the story of their life. I bet is, that's uh, touching as fuck, but I would just be sitting there the whole time like, no, you're unhealthy, motherfucker. <laughs> no, I mean, you know it's it's fucked up, but like you can see the pain she's going through by reliving it. True. And it's 
it's something. I get it's, it. I get it. I get it. If I had feelings, they would all be touched. No, just yeah. <laughs> I do have feelings. Yeah. Well, you know, so yeah. this is a this is a pretty long movie, but it's not hard to sit through because it's actually really good. Okay. And uh, if you like eighties movies, you probably already you're probably already going to be on board because it's got fucking Harry Dean Stanton in it, right? Right. Exactly. That's say nothing else. Yeah. You know, he's. He's got a mile long list of credits aside from 80s classics like Repo Man, Escape from New York, Pretty in Pink. Oof. Oh. Pretty in Pink is another one that I I think he did a great job as a loser dad. Yeah. It was a loving but loving loser, you know. Right. I mean? It really yeah. just sort of seems like that's who he is. I don't know. Maybe it could be. Maybe like this is great. No, go get Harry. <laughs> like he's like like I don't know. I don't really I don't know about him in real life. He's dead now, but you know, it just seems like he fits that character all the time of, like, he's a piece of shit, but he means well kind of thing. Well, maybe he was, like, a fucking genius, but he can sell that shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, Dean Stockwell, who, uh, so funny thing about Dean Stockwell, Dean Stockwell was one of those people, like, we've talked about before, he was under contract to uh, studios. Uh-huh. Like, he was under contract, like, in uh, the 50s when he was a little kid. And uh, he was like a child star, I guess, I don't know, like in the 40s and 50s. And uh, okay, he was about to quit acting before this movie and uh, go into real estate. Really? So, yeah. But, wow. you know, I, th- I think his first roles were in the 50s and this is the 80s. So I think after like 30 years, he was never like he was never like a super big leading man type per se, you know. Well, I always thought that also when you're a kid actor, remember we've talked about it's a little. Right. But if if not for this movie, and if Dean Stockwell had a quit acting and gone into real estate, who would have been the, the guy in Quantum Leap? Huh? Exactly. Q or whatever the fuck his name is. I can't remember. I just made that up. What was his name? <laughs> I forgot. It's, some, it's something like that. But uh, <clears throat> when, I was a, when I was little, we used to go on road trips. When we used to go on road trips, we would have um, like radio plays on cassette that my parents got from somewhere cheap. We would just listen to them over and over and over. Because, I don't know, when you're a little kid, you don't get sick of it, I guess. But, you just don't. <laughs> but uh, we had one that was uh, like a radio play of Huckleberry Finn. And uh, Dean Stockwell was Huck when he was a little kid. is like a radio thing. Really? Yeah. That's really cool. So I just looked up. So on, um, he plays, I can't tell. He's on Quantum Leap. They just say in his bio that he played on Quantum Leap. They don't name the, his character. Like, okay. Yeah, it's probably on his IMDb if he went there. But Yeah, but I'm not doing it. So Yeah, <laughs> yeah who gives a fuck? So anyway, <laughs> this movie has, it won a lot of awards. I mean, if you go on the Wikipedia page for it, there's just like too many to list. And, uh. Not too many to list if you're reading it, but too many for me to read them off. And uh, it's got a lot. There's a, like a lot of famous people. Like this movie inspired me. This movie was my favorite movies. You know. So if you want to see a truly great 1980s movie, I'd recommend it. But next week I plan on going back to the horror section of the virtual VHS store because I can't have all these feels all the time. I actually recently watched one from the. 80s that I hadn't seen before that I was surprised about that I'm not telling you about right now because I'm not quite done with it. But oh, okay, great. You can go ahead and just wonder and wonder. I guess I will then. Uh-huh. I don't. I don't even get a hint. Um, 
Oh, fuck it. I'll just tell you. James Spader is in it. That's the only thing I can tell you to give you a hint. Pretty in pink. No. <laughs> it is. Sometimes it feels like a horror movie, though, when it brings up all those elementary school, middle school feelings, early yeah. high school feelings that are do feel like torture. Yeah. It's, um, the, uh, what, what was it? One of those like teen movies where they, they kind of make fun of a lot of those 80s movies in a way because so Pretty in Pink. You know, she's treated like she's a piece of shit at school, but, you know, she's but hot. she's poor and she deserves it. I mean, come on. Yeah, but she's hot. So that right. really, I don't know. On the that, scale, it should bring her up some more. That goes, that went a long way in real life. True. But anyway. So, yeah. Next week, next week, we're going we're gonna to go back to trash and uh, trash, nudity, violence, something like that. I'm down. <laughs> so... This week, but this week we went arty and I watched Paris, Texas. Nice. Go ahead and uh, give us a little bit of class. I'm fine with that. Yeah. yeah. Don't get don't get used to it though. Okay, I won't. It, do, it doesn't feel right. It doesn't fit it, me well. It, agreed. <laughs> it's my guilty pleasure is watching good movies once in a while. Um, I try not to, so at least one of us is down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you like this podcast, you can subscribe on apple or whatever platform you like and uh if you rate and review us it really helps us be to be seen so you should do that probably even if you think we suck and uh except for still rate us nice don't be an asshole shit yeah well you know okay <laughs> you have to be realistic about these things <laughs> True. well there's this one podcast i listen to that says compliments only yeah <laughs> yeah I want I want legitimate uh, reviews. Anyway, so yeah. where can they email us, Allie? They can email us at goldenageofmedia80s, so goldenageofmedia80s at gmail.com. Okay, and then we're on Instagram at instagram.com slash goldenage8090. Facebook, facebook.com slash goldenage8090. And then we have a blog that's struggling to get out of the incubator at goldenage8090.blogspot.com and I swear one day it'll actually have some stuff on it and be worth visiting but it'll it'll get there all right it's not this day but it's a future day yeah yeah so do you want to tell me about the gummy bears cartoon now yep uh like I said before it is based off the fucking candy now I tried to explain to a younger co-worker that at one point there was only gummy bears right there was gummy bears it was the thing and then gummy sharks and then gummy dinosaurs and then peach rings and strawberry you know circles or whatever but in the beginning there was only gummy bears there weren't gummy worms no not in the very beginning Hmm. it was just the bears so then you know it's made into this you know tv show and i can guarantee you so long as i'm talking to you on this podcast that we're gonna every now and then go over saturday morning cartoons because that was a place in which i found some childhood happiness yeah like you i thought i did not watch it until i watched the intro we my husband and i are watching it on disney plus and i was like i don't know this tv show i don't remember it i think cassie my little sister watched it and all of a sudden i'm like gummy bears bouncing right here and there and everywhere i'm like oh shit i have watched this before yeah 
Well, you, so you, when you told me you were going to do the gummy, you're going to talk about the gummy bears cartoon. Yeah. Like I said, at first I didn't remember it, and I was picturing it as like some weird because the gummy bears, they're made by a. Uh, it's like some weird German company or something, right? Like Forest was the original gummy bears. So I thought it was going to be some like, and that's that's like a for it's like a German company. Yep. So I thought it was going to be like some weird foreign cartoon. Yeah. You know. No, I thought that Cassie watched it, but apparently I watched it enough I could sing some shit. I didn't know all the words, but I knew the chorus. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember that much of the show, but like when the uh, when I watched the intro on YouTube, I was like, oh, it does sound I, familiar, I, right? Well, it wasn't it wasn't just familiar. I was like, oh no, I watched this show. I remember oh. it. Oh yeah, some so of it, but... it's actually the third show I'm talking to you about that was on two different channels that aired on two different channels. What? Yeah, the first was Hitchcock, right? Then Columbo. Gummy Bears aired from 1985 to 88 on NBC, and then after that, it aired on ABC until it went off the air in 1991. Like yeah. I don't recall this happening over and over again throughout my childhood. Right. Every time you tell me this, I, I think that there must have been, I must have watched it on one channel, but not the other. Yeah. You know what I mean? well, the Hitchcock one is the only one I recall in real time happening in real time. The rest, Columbo, Gummy Bears, shocked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I know I didn't watch the, right gu- now, the, the second, the second run of Gummy Bears on this other, on uh, ABC, you said was the second run. Yeah, I know I didn't watch that because by 1991 I was probably I was a teenager. I was yeah, like a real teenager. 90, 91, you're like, no, nah, nope, <laughs> too late. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So the cartoon takes place in this like evil, medieval slash magical land. It just can't quite decide. Yeah. Humans think that gummy bears don't never existed. They're just like a fable, a fairy tale. Do you remember that part? Uh, no. Okay, so that's like a big thing is um, they're, well, they're supposed to not be real. They're I re- to be I, hiding all the time. I read a bit of it. It's kind of like a Smurfs ripoff in a weird way, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Always the magical creatures that nobody can know about that only kids can know. Because I was reading a bit on it. Like, don't they get their powers from gummy juice or some shit? Yeah. Or gummy berry juice or some gummy shit Gummy berry like that. juice. Yeah. So the first episode starts with what looks like two nights pages. They're riding yeah. these donkeys down the road, and one is Kevin, the abandoned 12-year-old boy. Uh-huh. He's one of the two main hum- human characters. The other one is Princess Kala. Of course, she's like high class. He's trash. He's like a little trash monkey. Yeah. And um, Kevin has this gummy bear medallion on, and he believes that gummy bears exist. Okay? And people mock him for it. You right. meet Duke Igthorn. He's the bad guy. He, You also learn that og- ogres exist in this world. Yeah. So they attack the peoples. You see Kevin, he's this good brave kid because brave comes up lots and lots throughout the episode. Right. Because he has to be brave because uh, in in reality, 12-year-old. Yeah, 12-year-old orphans are are, uh, hu- are subject vulnerable. to human human trafficking. Yeah, so, he's yeah. vulnerable. So he has yeah. to be brave. Yeah. Duke Igthorn, this bad guy, runs up to tell everybody that there's this ogre attack, but he doesn't. And he's like, and I was directing it, but he never does that. He just says, oh, there were some ogres. So good and brief, Kevin, at this point, he's unconscious after the ogre attack and just laying by himself, abandoned, alone in the woods. Okay. Yeah. He's lying on the ground and he ends up surrounded by these colorful gummy bears who just happen to be real and nearby. So you think that um, this is all kind of uh, like... the gummy bears are how he copes with the trauma of and being the, abandoned. And the ogre attack is like a rape. 
It could be. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Because he makes up these different characters to deal with each different trauma. There's Zummy Gummy. He's a propo magician, part-time leader. Yeah. Gruffy Gummy, the uh, mechanical grouch, lover of old ways. Grammy Gummy, cooking matriarch. That's the uh, mommy feelings. Tummy Gummy, he's the food lover because he's starving all the time. So he has a personality that likes food because these are his different personalities. Right. Who ends up having a lot of natural skills. And then there's Sonny and Cubby, who are a young boy and a young girl gummy. But I just want to say to you, I made a mistake of buying their um, Funko Pops. I bought Zummy and Tummy and Gruffy because they were on sale by two get one free. And then I realized when I looked at the back, they don't even make Grammy gummy. There's only six fucking gummy bears and they make pop codes for five of them, leaving out the, the old lady gummy that's bear. A, that's and I was like, you old lady haters. Yeah. And you're an old I told lady. My husband, I'm not, don't buy me another fucking one of these. Fuck these people. You're an old lady. So that, that hits uh, close to home. So it immediately hit me in the ego, like put like gut punched me right in the ego. And I was like, fuck you. <laughs> so anyways, you just... You just realize no one wants you around. Yeah, well, except for my husband. He's the only one. He'd be super sad if I left. Yeah. <laughs> so these gummies are circled around, and they're debating whether they should also abandon Kevin when they find his medallion. And they realize that this is actually a real gummy medallion. So Kevin wakes up. He sees them. The gummy realizes that he wants to be just be friends, and there's they, they still want to be cautious, though. And then they run off. So, yes, he is abandoned again. And nobody realizes that Kevin actually follows them home. They take him hostage. He brings drinks some gummy berry juice. Uh-huh. And it ends up making him super strong, which is a surprise to everybody. So does that mean he's like a descendant of somebody? No, you learn that gummy berry juice makes gummies bounce. But okay. it makes humans strong in the short term. I yeah, wonder so- why they decide to make this. Uh, oh, you said because the guy from Disney, his son liked gummy bears. Yeah, his son asked him for some gummy bear candy, and he's like, you know what, this would make some, you know, make a good story. Because it, it seems like they had to do all the story writing. They didn't really need the gummy bear candy per se at all. I wonder how much they had to pay that company for the name. All right. Well, they spell. Or, and this, this is why I was wondering: is this because is this why they spell gummy G U M M I? Oh, maybe. Because I was just thinking about that. Like, uh, <sighs> is a uh, gummy bear a description or a trademarked name? Okay, so the name of the actual show, its given name is Dis- the Disney's Adventures of the Gummy Bears. Is yeah. its full name. We're just calling it by its street name, Gummy Bears. Right. Yeah. So but I you know what I mean, like licensing wise. Yeah, like I wonder if uh like if it's uh there's some stuff where it's like the name is just what it is. You okay. know what I mean? So like maybe they can't maybe they didn't trademark that name because it's just a description of what it is. It's a bear made of gummy. Well, plus I could see um, Disney like headlocking this German Black Forest gummy company and being like, we'll give you so much money, but we're taking your name. And I'm like, oh, no. Well, maybe they, did, maybe they didn't even do that because they spell it differently. And maybe it's, you know. True. We don't know. We they don't... said, fuck you. Oh, yeah. I bet we'll you see. everything we said has happened. I bet you everything happened. <laughs> it all happened. I'll say we're Disney. You're a little candy company. What are you gonna do about it, huh? Exactly. Huh? And then they push him into a mud puddle, and that's yeah, and that's what happened. Yeah. Yeah, like the the uh, the head of Disney is standing in front of the guy from the Black Forest Company, but then the assistant, to the head of Disney, is like on the ground, like on all fours, and they yeah. push the guy, and he falls over the other one, and yeah. Or they have the assistants fight, and then whoever wins, that's the that's the people who you go with their terms of their contract. No, there's too much risk there. 
Okay, okay. So back to the guys. They make Kevin swear that he, he's not going to tell anybody that they exist. He's not going to talk about what the juice does, and he's not going to tell people where to find them. This seems like he's being groomed to be molested. Probably. No, he already is being molested. We've determined uh, this. Yeah, so the gummies have traffic. a sled and root cave system that also involves, like, uh, for some reason, shooting through a waterfall and going over a river and taking Kevin home. They also happen to zoom by the evil duke um and his ogre underlings and that's when they realize that this duke is about to siege the castle so kevin human explains to the gummies on the sled that the ancient gummies would insist on helping the human king gregor against the bad guys because he's a good king and gummies are nobles but the gummies are like nah we don't want to fight because we're like the last of our kind there's six of us including two kids you know we're right. out dude yeah, so Kevin gives a short speech that you have to help if you know people are getting hurt, no matter how small you are. And he ends his speech by throwing down his gummy medallion. And then Zummy, the magician, he picks it up and he starts wondering, what would the ancient gummies do? And then suddenly the medallion starts glowing and it pulls them over to their oldest manuscript and it unlocks the book for the first time. And the manuscript says, these are the words of the last ancient gummy. And it's their lore and it's copies of all their magic spells. And this is, causes this gummy rally to start because now they're hyped. This book is open and they decide they're going to go help Kevin. Right? Mm. So now at this point, though, Kevin thinks he's all abandoned again, again, because everybody abandons him. He's sneaking around the edge of the ogre camp and he gets caught trying to cut the catapult's axle. The gummies arrive to see what happened. They decide to save him. Gruffy grabs a bottle of gummy berry juice to give to Kevin so he can get really strong. Yeah. But unfortunately, his invisibility spell, you know, wears off. He gets the ogres catch Gruffy, but Gruffy gets the juice to Kevin. Kevin's whooping ogre ass. He throws an ogre across the forest. It lands by the evil Duke. And the Duke says, you know, what happened? How'd this happen? They're like, this white boy drank this gummy juice and then threw us. And he's like, I need some of that juice. The gummy so the juice contains taurine. It's cocaine. Look at yeah. cocaine, okay. actually. So the Duke's starts his attack and the gummies and Kevin once again they power up with the good good juice and the ogres get pumped and the duke works to get the juice and he actually does get some of it and it makes him really super strong but he doesn't realize you have to constantly drink the juice because it wears off really quickly yeah like and the good guys are messing with the catapult and the duke's throwing boulders at the castle but then all of a sudden he loses strength and the boulder that he's holding up crushes him and he looks like a bitch flying through the air from his own catapult machine. And then the catapult is destroyed and Kevin doesn't get credit for it because he'd have to admit that the gummies were real and that they helped him. So they still treat him like he's a little trash monkey. Right. And then the tale of Ke but the tale of um, Kevin saving the, his kingdom was, however, written in the book of gummies. The end. Why don't they just pick a fight with the gummy bears on a really hot sunny day? Gummy bears, yeah, because these gummy bears aren't actually made of gummies. I think mm. the gummy part is the bounce. Mm. And I, the gruffy so gummy saying, um, pop coat that I got, I feel very uncomfortable about because I feel like his bounce position is very sexual or the way his legs are sprayed. Like, yeah. Yeah. So you're saying these gummy bears wouldn't melt on a hot day? Uh, they under wouldn't pressure? Get all sticky. Yeah. I actually once saw one in a sauna and he seemed fine. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. outstanding is that anything like you remember uh i i remember bits and pieces of it the ogres i do yeah yeah you figure the uh the duke and the ogres they're kind of like gargamel and asriel from the smurfs true 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 except for they there's lots of ogres and uh, there was one cat for asriel well they can't do it exactly the same 
True. Well, they, everybody has to have a bad guy, and the bad guy usually has a sidekick that gets that always constantly fails. The bad guy can't fail, or else you won't fit, you won't fear him. But his sidekick can always fail. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. All right. So I'm going to tell you about the number one song in 1984. Are you ready? I am ready. All right. The number one song of 1984 was "When the Doves Cry" by Prince. Oh, cool. I thought you were going to say Jump by Van Halen. I was going to be like, nope, uh uh-uh. No, but there is a close number two, though. Um, According to the world website at PRI.org, Prince needed one more song. What's that? PRI, Public Radio International. I have no idea. Okay. Uh, There was an interview with the guy that plays the keyboard in his band. He goes by, like, Dr. Rick or something like that. He's the one that has scrubs on in the video for when it does cry. Yeah. Um, anyway, Prince needed one more song for the movie Purple Rain that he was making. So the director's like, look, we need a song to place during like the, a mid-movie montage that's supposed to showcase the theme of the movie. So Prince is like, all right, cool. He goes into the studio that night, comes back out the next morning when and when the Doves Cry is just fully produced. The end. Outstanding. He <laughs> yes, must have he must have taken gummy berry juice all oh, night long. He- he did take some gummy berry juice, we unfortunately find out. So the song was released as the first single off the movie's album. And so they released the song in May of 84, and the movie was released in July. So it's like greasing the wheels, right? Right. It's number one for five weeks. It's doing really well. When the Doves Cry ended up being actually Prince's first Billboard Hot 100 number one song. And it was the best-selling song of 1984. Ah. However, oh. Scandal. Using a different set of tabulations, America's Top 40 has it as the number two song of the year. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Can you guess what song it says is actually higher than When the Doves Cry? Oh, I don't know. It is Say, Say, Say by Paul McCartney. I don't remember that. Say, say, say what you want. Yeah, okay. So the movie Purple Rain actually ends up... What? what? I said horse shit. Yeah, right? I'm like, they're just trying to take it away from Prince. Yeah, they are. So when the movie Purple Rain, it's actually a commercial success. It actually did really well. It was the last, now this is, I kept trying to look it up and I couldn't figure out what they meant, although I do see like different sides. It's the last movie to win an Academy Award for the best original song score. I looked up different things and they still do song scores, but I don't know if they do best original. I don't know. But anyways, it was also nominated for two Razzie Awards. Yeah. Worst new star for Apollonia Cotero. She's the love interest in the movie. And right. Apollonia Six, her band, which used to be called Vanity Six, but it was called Apollonia Six, has the worst original song for Sex Shooter. Yeah. Where she's basically like, I'm a slave. I can't get off without you. I'm a sex shooter. Shooting. Yeah. Yeah, I don't even remember that. Like, that's not a memorable song from the movie. Oh, God. Well, it's memorable for being bad. But I mean, like, it's not a song I remember from the radio, you know, because you remember, like, oh, uh, that's that's the number one song of that band. Yeah. Yeah. Well, of that band, it, because it's uh, like, yeah, yep, uh, Apple Six, and it did win the Razzie, so you know that, you know. It got drug along with the rest of the music on that from that movie, you know. It uh, wasn't. Yeah. The soundtrack is uh, amazing, though. Don't right, let Sex Shooter throw you off your game. <laughs> doesn't it? Ha- is Jungle Love on the soundtrack? Jungle Love is on here. More stay in the time. Yeah. So I mean, you know, you people bought the soundtrack, and then so Apple, uh, 
Apollonia 6 or Vandy 6 get some kind of credit for being on a record that sold a bunch, but they didn't buy it for that fucking song. Yeah, I think that like it's considered officially on the soundtrack, but I remember having the album and that song not being on it. The yeah, sound, yeah the soundtrack album and that, that, that song not being on it. It's yeah. one of those ones they're like, oh, sorry, I couldn't find room for this one. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's what I always imagine. It's the bonus track on the CD version. Yeah, if they're, they're like, we're going to put it out with extra material this year, and it's the Sex Shooter song. Like, oh. So you only got the number one song? I thought you had three songs. No, just number one. The only time I did number three was 82, I think, and that's because those top three were really interesting. I could not leave it alone. You're uh, Rocky Burnett and uh, two other Oh, that people. was um, three one-hit wonders that were unknown to me. They were specific oh. one-hit wonders that time. That weren't. Uh, See when were, you when you said that no one uh, no one remembers Martha and the Muffins. That's yes. you know you're <clears throat> that's not true. You were we remember Martha and the Muffins because they had a hit in Echo Beach. Now we do. Yeah, Although well, you know what, what I want to say, I should give a shout out to Terry. He talks about how he likes to listen to us because it reminds him of his college years. And right. I'm just wondering, like I don't know if he drank with his friends or smoked pot and watched gummy bears, but maybe he could relate. To what yeah. Yes. All right. Well, that went, fl- this flew by pretty quick. Is that about it for today? I think so. All right. All right. Any thoughts of what you're doing next week? Okay. So this is what I was thinking about. Okay. You just gotta, you just gotta give me, well, you know what? Why don't I just do the one I was telling you about the James Spader one called Jack's back. Oh, okay. Is it a it's a horror movie? It is a horror movie. I, I hadn't I seen it. it. It actually got like good reviews and shit. And I did watch it all the way. I didn't walk out of the room or do one of my weird ADD things. Yeah. I did have to turn it off at one point to do something else. And that always helps me to stay focused when I go back on. But um it was interesting because it has maybe three twists in it. Uh-huh. And I thought you they were really trying, but yeah, it's called Jack's Back. It's uh James Spader. I watched it on Tubi. Of course. Uh-huh. Even though I have other streaming services that I pay for, for some reason, uh, for some reason I always go to Tubi first, which I don't know why. Me too. Well, Tubi knows that I like um, horror movies from the '80s, and the Tubi's yeah. like, "Hey, girl, hey, yeah, <laughs> did you see this one?" I was like, "I did see it. Thank you, Tubi." <laughs> well, this uh, earlier, so I was looking at Harry Dean Stanton's filmography, and I was looking at ones from the '80s, uh-huh. and there was this. There's a movie. Uh, let me get to this here. So there's a movie called uh, Fool for Love, and it looks like a western-y sort of movie. I haven't watched it yet. But okay. the first place I went to to see where I could watch it was Tubi. Really? And, I don't know why I don't, I don't know why, because, I mean, I have HBO Max, I have Netflix, I have Amazon Prime. Yeah. I have, I have uh, the Apple one, I have Disney+. Plus. I, yeah, I also watch Peacock, uh, which is a free one. Sometimes I if I'm doing something like say I'm cleaning and I I just want something on the background or maybe my husband and I are doing something together I play Pluto. Yeah. I watch Pluto. Yeah. That's where we will play like the same TV show over and over again and we my husband and I have watched CSI TV shows a million trillion times and we'll just turn on like the CSI channel. Yeah. And then we'll be like yeah, yeah that's the murderer and we'll like try to remind remind each other like what happened in the episode. <laughs> So it's yeah, it's like why why am I paying for all these other ones if I just go to Tubi all the time? 
Me too. Because one day you're going to be like, ah, fuck it, Tubi. I feel like I hit the end of you for a minute. But every month, take shit off and put shit on. And yeah. Tubi dropped Columbo and it got picked up on, I mean, Peacock dropped Columbo, but now it's on Tubi. I'm like, you're lucky. Yeah. <laughs> I was you're in lucky, the middle of Peacock. that. You're lucky, Peacock. Yeah. You might have to go to the, the antique mall. You might have to go to the antique mall and find the uh, DVDs or something. No, as someone who also doesn't have cable, how are you watching the Olympics? Uh, broadcast TV. Okay. So we do also have a, an antenna at our house, but I yeah. decided we're just going to either, if we had to pay the little extra, watch it through Hulu or Peacock, because I am someone that just fucking loves the Olympics. So is your sister. So yeah, I try I, to burn the patriarchy half the time. And then I'm like, America and the Olympics. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> uh, <clears throat> as far as burning the patriarchy, so to say, you know, the Olympics, you could argue is one of the few times where, you know the the lesser known sports or like the women's sports get as much you know get are not are maybe not equal but you know they they get better coverage okay you know what i mean so like if you're a a fan of female athletes if you're looking specifically where a female athlete may shine you're more likely to see it during olympic coverage than like uh like the WNBA or there's no lady hockey that I know about besides maybe college or high school level or, you know what I mean? Yeah. But the thing is though, like they'll show gymnastics all fucking day, but it's hard to watch like the horse one or whatever, because I've had people who like the, some of the lesser sports. So I don't, I guess they do it more along lines of the popular sports and less along the lines of, um, you know, sexism. Yeah. But I'm like, sometimes it's hard to watch the less popular sports. Although I must say, uh, one time my husband and I were watching this documentary on bowling. Cause I don't remember. When, do you remember when we were kids and bowling was big on the weekends and they had like celebrity bowling? Oh, maybe vaguely. I don't think I watched it, but I, I guess, oh I, I guess I was aware of it. Yeah. Well, if you look it up, it, it was on TV more than you remember, but we were watching this documentary and the whole time we're like, this is boring. This is stupid. But at the end of the documentary, you're watching this like showdown and we're like, I don't think he's going to pick up this split man. <laughs> like we're yeah. all, like, all into it at this point. <laughs> it's like oh yeah i do remember this a little bit when i was a kid but yeah look up like there was celebrity bowling bowling for dollars all sorts of shit when we were kids yeah bowling was a pretty big sport yeah yeah I and when i said something i found out my former father-in-law was a big bowler your sister <clears throat> your younger sister's a big bowler oh yeah the bowling stones holly michigan <laughs> yeah i thought that's a cute name but uh, i remember my friend's parents bowling a lot when i was younger i guess my my parents didn't, but other people's parents did. My mom um, was on a team that was so bad they got the last place trophy. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they should have tried harder. No. Somebody's got to come in last place, so fuck it. That's have a true. good time. All right. All right. We'll talk to you next week. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Not really. Not really.